on this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. We've got sad sacks of salt. And I'm inspired by Sally's fashion choices. Let's do this. Welcome to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. I'm Diana. I'm Liz. And this week we're talking season seven, episode 11, Adventures in Babysitting. That we are, that we are. And there's no Elizabeth Shue? Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. <laughs> or Thor, for that or matter. Or Thor. I really did love that movie as a child. Same. It was it, so good. I think it was like it was a good girl adventure movie, and there weren't a lot of them. So we're all just like, I just remember like her best friend, like I who I shockingly identified with, the glasses, like hugging and what she thought was a kitty, and it was a rat. And I'm just like, yeah, I can see that happening to me. <sighs> I'm so surprised oh it hasn't happened. Like, look at this possum. <laughs> I did get a, I did see a possum from a distance and got someone someone sent me a possum picture from their yard this week. So that is exciting. That good. Yeah, I'll take from it from a distance. Possum. Yeah. Hey, it's better than no possum. Yeah. What else has been going on? Or, de- or dead possum. Or dead possum. <laughs> what else has been yeah. going on? Uh, just uh, got back from Nashville and then immediately put on a car show and am um, going to be tired for the rest of my life from that because it was a lot in a row but no everything everything's good it's just uh was super busy had some great time seeing some really good music in nashville and putting on some events which was really cool and then um went and i came back to dallas and put on our car show and it was super fucking hot but it was a really great day and yeah that's that's my excitement here that's fun how about you uh well in san antonio we had the 2023 paranormal fest and that was at Victoria's Black Swan Inn. And once again, you know, just a, a interesting event put on by the Curious Twins or Curio Twins. And, and you know, so these, like, especially the paranormal event, like that one, there is a lot of different guest speakers and just, you know, people from the paranormal community. So, like, there was, like, you know, people from, like, like the ghost hunter shows, right? Like, somebody from, like, yeah. Paranormal State was there. And and it's really funny, like, to, like, people who were just, like, yeah, is, like, like, starstruck by them. And I'm, like, really? Like, that's... And yeah. it's amazing what people get starstruck yeah. by. Keep in mind, I work in the music industry. Yeah, and some of them are like my friends, uh, like they just because we, you know, they have free beer at these things. Like, so like we oh. may have drank a lot of free beer. And there was also this one thing that was in a can. I don't even know what it was. But anyway, so we're sitting here watching like all these panels, and it just doesn't matter where you are, what type of event it is. But as soon as you say. I'm going to open this up to the audience for questions. It's just fucking, it's ridiculous. And, you know, like, it's, 
as concur. And when we've talked about on the show, like for, for various things and different musicians, whatever, but I did learn, you know, the, the paranormal group is, is a special, a special Q and a session because it would be things I like, bet. you know, are there any questions for the audience? And then someone be like, when I was three, a demon came into my house and took a pillow do you see the demon he with me now? Like, or just like what we're huh. like, do I have a gift? <laughs> and just like these, like, I will say that the people who were on like either the panels or, you know, the speakers just like played it off like fucking champs. So like that also I'm just like, that means you're getting these questions all the time. Like, this is like, this is what you're, what you were getting paid for is to answer these questions and you know, like it's so like nobody asks like the questions about them right like that's interesting it's all about them it's all people. about like the person who asking the question and i'm just like you're so selfish and i guess sometimes yeah. like you know like if they because some of them were mediums but i would even expect like okay like hey you're a medium i want to ask you like this question like you know like that you know is you know like, is yeah. does anybody have a message to send me like those type of like that would make sense not right when i was seven i was chased around by the ghost of like my aunt fanny you know so is she still chasing me is she yeah know. is aunt fanny here what is she what's she upset about you know but so it's still always it's a it's an interesting place. It's an interesting time. I um got a I bought a a taxidermy duckling that looks like a witch, and it's I bought it for my friend Ducky, but I, I kind of want to keep it because it's amazing. She's got a little hat on, and she's little tiny pumpkins, and little things very soft. And then I just now I feel kind of they it's like it's a very nice duck and i'm like oh man Aww. i hope you had a good life little duck like i don't know why you died so young and then i'm sort of feeling guilty for a little duck but you know what you do oh okay for a little, for a little duckling and, and then last so like paranormal fest was saturday and then the following saturdays we had a little weird shift in our, our recording schedule uh, was the uh this, this saturday was fall equinox so uh autumnal season so yes. the bear collective down downtown san antonio had a high priestess fair and that was the all they were a much younger younger group of, of 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 people and it was cool like there was a bunch of like people doing you know different readings and stuff like and people there was one chick though man oh my god so she, she had she was like some sort of kitchen witch but she had chocolate covered oreos she had these like little like tinfoil cans that were like filled with like brownies and ganache and like had little sprinkles on it and then she had like whoopie pies so oh yeah like that's like what i bought at the, at the metaphysical fair i was just like i need all of this sugar thank you and then oh and i got some bath salts too for this place but there also there is like a woman who was selling like you know things to like wear around your waist when you're menstruating um i'm sure there's some you know some i don't know so um i think she's had the, the crystal to put up your twat to you you know like i mean i'm not you know, no shade on you like you want to do that that's fine but also like even there was 
one of and this happened there and it happened at the other parallel festival like people who just seem like don't i know you and i'm like you don't know me bitch like like i don't know if it's a sales tactic or people i really think people just think they know me and i'm like wait like i think i have a doppelganger running around like causing evil or something that's funny i i have hmm. never met Be you fun. do you want to meet it it depends on like what she's doing like what if she's living a better life then you can trade. That's true. Hey, doppelganger. <clears throat> yes, you want to do all like well. That's what there was like. Do you want to do all the chores in my house that I'm not getting done because I'm very tired? <sighs> all right. So speaking of we, have, but we have lots of energy. We are here to talk about adventures. We have so much energy. So much energy. I am figuring the shit out of this. All right. So this was season seven, episode eleven, and it first aired January six, two thousand twelve, and it was directed by she says in a French accent because I think that's what his name is, Jeanne Vark. Um, we last saw him in sure. Mannequin 3, The Reckoning. Um, there's nothing new I saw on his IMDb page. Of course, there's nothing new on anybody's IMDb, IMDb, IMDb page right now. Although soon, soon maybe. Those coming, yeah. They, they, they just got really, well, the writers is, they're going back to work. The writers, they're going back to work. But well, sad, that was writers, not SAG. So we'll see. I don't know. We're getting close. Right, right. Anyways, but I did see that he directed a couple of episodes of Criminal minds without borders which i did not know there was additional spinoffs of criminal minds that oh, i no. just finished like i finally like last night finished watching like all of the criminal minds and and now i'm excited to learn there's more and diana is just like it's done with like my text about these random episodes the one that i really liked this weekend there was a baphomet and it was like this guy's like illusion it was a guy basically in a baphomet mascot and it was just like like but literally looking like a mascot like a, like a worn out something that would be at like your high school bizarre. games and i'm pretty sure yeah. but is he that the mascot said to work at kyle like as he was like Chopping somebody up is so good. Well, well, while I'm watching, you know, the newest season of Love is Blind, because <laughs> that's my my brain flow. A little different. A little different. Yeah. And it was written <sighs> by Adam Glass, who, which is why this episode is, there are some very great lines in it, lines. Oh, even yeah. though I, I may have distracted <clears throat> to Diana and yeah. That's fine. It's It's fine. Hey, I'll take an episode that's not a trip to Bummers. Yeah, after it's I not think, totally a trip I'm sure to Bummers. That, like, so within good. the order, like, well, it has to start because the we start off with the recap reminding us that we're very upset. Yeah, we're reminding us we're very sad. But then our first scene opens up at a truck stop with a uh, a man eating at the diner, watching a trucker pick up a. Is lot lizard the proper term? That is what I have written down. So I, I will I will say, but she is like, if she is a lot lizard, she is wearing, and I was just like, where do you even buy these clothes? But obviously she is wearing what people in Hollywood think that a sex worker would wear in a truck stop parking lot. And I'm, and I'm not sure if you've ever been in a truck stop parking lot. She ain't wearing that. No, correct. But our guy in the restaurant tips his waitress, Marlene, and leaves and apparently tips her poorly because he tries to go follow this trucker and the lot lizard 
and they disappear well then he start his vision starts going wonky whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we, like when she, so she takes a trucker past the truck and, the, and it has a sticker oh, yeah. on it and it says if this rig is a rocking don't come a knocking yes but good old good old boy that the, our our, uh, our our lurker was watching them they disappear and then Marlene well, well, we attacks him I also I just want to know before before like you saw Marlene come up like do, who did you think the the girl was the victim or did you think the guy was I didn't know okay because because I, I wasn't sure if like they were because I knew because I've I've See, I've seen this along. I wasn't sure if this was one of those kind of like the gender swap things they do sometimes. You know where I didn't the, I didn't have a I wasn't convinced either way. No, I think I just also expect like if you're a guy in a truck stop, you're gonna be a murderer. Is that just what you expect? <laughs> that well, is just what I expect. Either way, Marlene's got cat eye pupils, fangs. And knocks out our this dude and says it's for the crappy tip. And yeah, tip your server, fucker. Like, what's wrong with you? Is what you get. So we get a montage of the three weeks of mourning that Sam and Dean are going through, sitting at Rufus's. Week one, they're pretty much just sitting there mourning Bobby. This is very, it's very sad. I'm not trying to be flippant. I just, yeah. No, the week one is is the sitting, sitting and staring, staring off into space. Week two, we've got some whiskey. We've got some research starting again, trying to figure out the number. Um, and um, week three, that, that Dean, Bobby left and them. Dean has, yeah, and Dean has a list of possibilities of engrossed out. They looked at zip codes. They looked at locks. Yeah. Uh, VMAL? V, I, don't, I, don't, I wrote a word that I don't think is a word. Oh, voicemail. I think it's supposed to be voicemail. Yeah. Uh, pa- uh, password and bank number, but they're all crossed out. So they're like going through stuff, trying to like figure out what it is. So start with the basics, like you do. Yeah. Week three, we now have a murder wall. That's our progression. Yeah, com- complete with blueprints and newspaper clippings about Biggersons being contaminated. <laughs> yep. And Dick Roman and the number and all that. And uh, Sam's there and he's like, maybe we should like let people know that Bobby died. It's a, kind of a valid point because they're the only people that know. That's just weird, right? Like, and honestly, like, I think what you need to do, Sam, which is like, you don't need to call people. Like, you've got a hunter circle, you call Garth. Like, you find like a, you find a motor mouth and you right. direct them and say, no, you take care of this for me and go call. We, we, we're family. We don't have to do that. Yeah. That's how that works. Uh, Dean is not interested. He is solely focused on researching this number. And uh, then a phone rings. But also, like, also, who are you going to call? Like, everybody but Jody's dead. Uh, like, well, they don't know who all, he knows. Like, and they have his phone and his, and his, like, and his, um, they do have and his address, address book. book. So, I mean, yeah. they got that. So his phone rings and Sam answers Bobby's phone. And a female, young female voice asks for Bobby and is like, my dad told me to call for Bobby Singer. And just specifically, specific, no more. Sam says he's not here, so she hangs up. But Sam's like, uh, I think this is a hunter's kid. We need to go find her and help her out. So let's use the address book and caller ID and find this chick. Which, by the way, if they're moving around a lot as hunters, and she is not using a cellular phone. This is not very feasible 
track down. I don't understand how this tracking is working, but la 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 la, la Detective Sam. So good job. Good job, Dean, Detective Dean's Sam. Dean's like, fuck that. You go check on the kid. I'm going to go check in with Frank. Which I would much rather go check in with Frank, too. That would be my choice. So, which, yeah, yeah. So Sam goes to this Clark Manor furnished apartments and knocks on this door and this girl, like teen girl, young teen girl, right? I mean, I don't know, answers and... uh, Pre-teenish yeah. teens. And, teens. And Sam's like, yeah, your dad was in Bobby's address book. Bobby's dead, so here I am. You sounded scared. And she's like, my name is Chrissy. Come on in. Chrissy. But. I also just think it's the name Chrissy. Really? Like, it just. Yeah, I think I just don't like Chrissy's. <laughs> Anyways, and she has 911 on speed dial and wants to know if Sam is a salesman. Mm-hmm. Like her dad. Like her old yeah. Man. And he's like, she's like, yeah, um, he calls every night to check in, but he hasn't called for five days. Rut row. That's a bad sign. Um, so Sam's like, okay, it's fine. No. We'll track him down. And he had a lead near Dodge City and shows Sam where her dad's desk was. So he's convinced dad's a hunter and she doesn't know it. That's what he's convinced. And so he like sends her out to go make coffee while he searches dad's desk. And then he who shadily rifles through his shit. Like just shadily. Just so like awkward. if she was watching, I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, are you and doing? also her like, dad's missing. Is, she would have already gone through okay. all the shit, by the way. Um, right? She's a teenage girl. She already went yeah. through all that shit. Duh. <laughs> Dad's missing. She's a teenager. What the what fuck? Do you th- no, but without him missing, like she's just a teenage girl. She went yeah. through his shit. That's what teenage yes. girls do. So he finds a he finds a picture of the of the guy and Chrissy. So now we know what Dad looks like. It's our guy from the first scene, obviously. And he Sam knows to go look in the closet behind all the clothes because back there is his murder wall hidden behind his perfectly hung shirts. That'll match. Hmm. So Sam's like, cool, cool. There's a bunch of stories about missing truckers. I'm going to go tell Chrissy, hey, I'm taking this picture of your dad. Like this one sentimental picture of you and your dad that's sitting around here. I'm going to take this with me and go find him. And I'll check in with you just like your dad did. So like, what's her dad supposed to do? Is he like, Chrissy, I'm going to go hang out in my room for a little bit. Ignore me. I'm watching porn. Like, and then just goes and stares in this closet. He probably until she's asleep or goes to school or something. How can, like, but, oh, I said, but I was just like, it just doesn't seem like it would work. Like, and after later what we learn, I'm kind of wondering why it's in this closet. It is. That's stupid. Anyway, so we cut to a um, a 69 Buick Special Deluxe, which is actually pretty fucking cool, pulling up to a uh, Frank's house, and it's Dean. And um, the house is pretty much cleared out, except for, like, some empty beers and some, like, racks. And so Sam Dean's kind of concerned about what the situation is here. Then Frank's there and racks his shotgun. Yay, Yay Frank, Frank, shotgun ready. And really, really, really needs Dean to prove that he is not a Leviathan. So we have a standoff. And we learned that Gwyneth Paltrow was a Leviathan, which is surprising to nobody. So Dean decides that the way to prove himself is that I don't need to bleed black. If I don't bleed black goo, then I am not Mm -hmm. a Leviathan. So 
he just like cuts himself. He doesn't even put pressure on it. He just like cuts himself and then be like, see, red blood All on over. my shirt. Dripping. Goo. Gross. Gross. Messy. Unsanitary, sir. You're going to get an infection. That is unsanitary. Yeah, he didn't even clean and that then knife. He makes Frank do it too, though, because now it's principal. So Frank's like, fine, let's go. And like he cuts himself and they have to leave. Okay. So they are driving. They get out of the Buick and they're in, like some like barn with an RV inside it where apparently Frank is now living and has set up his, uh, his control center. Yeah. Nice. Off the grid. Yeah. And Dean is pretty kind of upset. He's like, look, I've told you like, he's like, wait, you've been the second I told you to like research Dick, you've been being watched and spied on. What the fuck? And Frank kind of goes on a tirade. He's like, do you think I know? He's at first, he's saying, yes, I've been spied on. He's like, well, I don't really know if I'm being spied on. But do you think it's do you think it's easy to see this deep into what's real and be bipolar with delusional ideation? They don't make a pill for that. So we know that Frank might be being watched, might not be, but he's convinced he's being watched, and that's all that matters. Yeah, we also learned that Frank thinks that Dean called him four days ago instead yeah. of four weeks ago. And because he's been really deep in a rabbit hole. And we also learned that Dean paid him $15,000 for this. Where did Dean get $15,000? So, yeah. Like, maybe it was Bobby's. Maybe. And 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 Dean's mad, though, because he's been waiting to hear from Frank. He's kind of pissed that Frank hasn't had information for him because he paid for this work. And because Bobby died for those numbers is what he says. So Frank's like, look, I'm going to tell some sweet Bobby story. And Dean's like, pass. I don't want to hear it. I want the information. And so Frank offers him LSD. <laughs> it's my summary of that. No, he doesn't offer him LSD. He said what he needs <sighs> is some LSD and a little shiatsu, which sounds I'll lovely. I'll take the shiatsu. So- um, yeah. But but Frank does have a point. He's like, look, maybe we're missing a digit. Bobby was like literally dying of brain trauma when he wrote these numbers down. So I have a super complex mathy thing that will run probabilities to figure out if there's a digit missing because we have five digits. And oh, yeah, I figured out there was six. So it does make sense. It's probability, right? And so he's just like, no, it makes, and we are like, here it is. Ta-da! The numbers are coordinates. We have coordinates. And it maps to the middle of a field. The middle of a field in Wisconsin. What was that? The cat knocked down the vacuum cleaner. Cat one vacuum cleaner, 9,000. She took it out. Sorry. Anyway, so there's a field in Wisconsin, and Dean's just a dick. Like, the friend being like, eh, I don't care about a field in, field in Wisconsin. That's not what Bobby would no, want. No, but Frank's already ahead of that because he knows it's a parcel of land bought by a subsidiary, subsidiary of Richard Roman Enterprises. Ta da! So they're going to go set up surveillance. Makes sense to me. So we've got Sam in a suit in uh, the Morgan Dodge city area and is looking at a dead body that was found in a ditch has puncture wounds at the arteries, both in the thigh and the neck. And they are obviously bites, obviously. And he's missing five pints. Corner makes a vampire joke, which is funny because Sam doesn't react and the corner is disappointed because it usually gets a chuckle. 
Womp womp. Yeah. So Sam calls Dean as 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 Sam is leaving the the morgue, and uh, Dean tells Sam about coordinates and that he's heading there because Dick's at a TED talk. And Dean found yeah. that out in HuffPo. And uh... <laughs> and so Sam tells Dean that he doesn't think that Chrissy even knows that her dad's in the life. The and life. they keep calling it the life in this, the, which it just sounds life. like swingers. And then I just started thinking about, like, you know how, like, the idea, like, swingers have, like, the pineapple on their doorstep or, like, the blue pot. Like, whatever it was, it was, like, yeah. supposed to symbolize that. Like, what would hunters put on their doorstep to be, like... I don't know. Is it just a thing It would salt? be, like a, like, a Costco bag of salt. Giant bags of salt. We're in the hunting life here. Hey, we're not salty. We're just in the life. It's my bad one. That's what I got. Fucking tired. Don't judge me for that one. I'm proud of it anyways. Um, there we go. So, yeah. Bags of salt. I don't know what else you would do. Oh, I mean, you have a front door mat that's devil's trap. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, we've got... Um, Frank has a costume for Dean because they're going to go do surveillance and they are wearing um, Wistel Networks um, tech uniforms and standing around going to go up in a cherry picker. Look at the land. And they fight over like who gets to ride in it, which is stupid because this fight should be the opposite because who doesn't want to ride in the cherry picker bucket? Because I want to do that don't. immediately. It seems like so much fun. It's fine. You're not like, but you especially like if you get to control the little. Uh, it sounds good. Anyway, so uh, Dean it has to go in it because yeah. Frank is. And the so while Dean's up in the cherry picker, which he's not happy about it at all, Frank takes the opportunity to use his binoculars to spot all the cameras in the area. Realize there's a shit ton. Makes a Ma Bell reference, which I was amused by. You don't hear those every day anymore. And then. Um, and then he's like, well, nope, get down. We're not doing this. Fuck this shit. Because they've got so much surveillance here. We can't set up surveillance. So let's just tap into theirs. Duh. If somebody already has a surveillance in there, that's just the yeah. easiest way to So do back things. in the RV, Frank's going to pull up the cameras and gives Dean shit for having no fucking sleep. I feel you. And Dean falls asleep. So, um, well... Yep, he passes out immediately in a chair. And Sam, in the midst of this, leaves Dean a voicemail because he has figured out what monster he is hunting. It's a Vitala, mm-hmm. and Dad hunted one once. Hmm. So there's a chance, and there's a chance that Chrissy's dad's alive because they don't always kill immediately. Yeah, and so he says, you know, they're loners, they want to drag a guy home and feed on them slow, and all of this is nothing to do with the Vitala. So, which is how, like, I believe that it's supposed to be said, uh, yeah. so it's time for lore. Alright. All right. I, I, I had the, the pronunciation, I, kept, I had to spend a lot of time in Google Translate this week, I'm sure none of it will mean 
anything. So Vitalas come from Hindu mythology. And at their most basic, they're a spirit, a ghost, or a goblin. They like to haunt cemeteries and animate bodies, so not truck stop parking lots. But that may be because the story came first, and so the writers, according to Adam Glass, they said that they adapted the Vitala to fit into it. And they did have a fun time reading about them and their links between uh, vampires, specifically Dracula. And there's just some really fun far out shows on, you know, Indian shows and comics and movies, etc. about these things. So it was a good time. And it's very timely because Babe is about to go on an adventure. Indian adventure. Is going on an Indian adventure. So something that comes from that side of the world seems appropriate. A lot of this came from the follow uh, from an Atlas Obscura article by Emma Starr Gross and an article from Hindu.com by Adita Sen and Alok Sharma. Meet Dracula's Indian ancestor Vitala. So I'm sure I'm driving somebody crazy with how I'm pronouncing this word, but whatever, blow up red box. So Vitala show up in known literature, at least back to the 11th century. So think about that. That was a very, very long time. So every millennium. And they became popular through the collection of stories known as the Vidala Panchvin Shatik. Damn it, no, I had it, but or or also the Betal Picasis, uh, which translates to twenty five tales of Betal. And these are still around, and they've been translated to a ton of different Indian vernaculars, although it was originally hmm. in Sanskrit. And there are several English translations, including the version that's at the heart of this Dracula link. And that was the one written by the Sir Richard Francis Burton, the famous explorer. So since this is something that's been around since the 11th century, obviously there's a lot of versions of it. But the basic framework is this, is that King Vikram, um, is he basically promises a tantric sorcerer or sorceress that he will capture them of Vitala, who is said to exist in a realm between life and death. And they have the ability to see into the past, present, and future. And so basically the sorcerer wants the king to capture him, this ghoul, this thing, because it can see into the past, present, and the future. It's got the gift of prophecy. It has all these magical powers. And so if you capture it, then you can enslave it and use it to do your bidding, which is not cool. It's not. It's not. So... Within the story, you know, so King King Vic, he goes and he finds one hanging from a tree and he catches it. But in order to keep it and get it back to the sorcerer, basically, he has to shut the fuck up. So the Vitala has this thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to give you a riddle. And if you know the answer, you have to say it. And if you know the answer and pretend you don't, then your head's going to explode. But if you know the answer and you say it, then I'm going to go back to my tree. But if you don't know the answer, then you get to keep me. So basically now King Vic is like, okay, I'll do this. So, you know, the Vitala is giving him a riddle and the king is actually pretty smart. And he knows the answer 24 times. So part of this is just the idea of like, you know, this is... I guess, metaphor for a growing wiser as you're like walking and doing stuff, whatever. But so the 25th time that we find doesn't know the answer to their riddle. And this is the riddle. 
if a prince marries the queen and a princess marries the king and each couple has a baby, what is the relation between the two newborns? And King Vic went, the fuck? That's disgusting. Nah, nah, I'm not, I don't have an answer to this because this is, fuck you. And so uh, he gets to keep he gets to keep his prize, which is his his little ghoul, his Vitala. And but basically, he, now like they got the Vitala is like you know the sorcerer's really shitty, and it's just gonna kill me and kill you, and he's gonna do bad stuff. So then they team up and they they defend and they defeat him. Hooray! Okay. So the point is, is like we realize that these things are really in Sanskrit and other vernaculars, etc. So there are a lot of people who are transcribing this. And so when Richard Burton, Sir Burton, you know, trans translated it, he adapted right. it. So he he adapted a lot. And so some things change. But also it makes this, this very interesting kind of... So he adapts the story that's been around since the 11th century, right? And he like rewrites it and he fills in, I'll tell you going some of the things he fills in, but what ends up happening is that he influences what the story becomes in the later terms because that's the English adaption right. of it, right? But there's still the the Indian vernacular versions are still going at the same time. So you kind of like have oh, the split it, it, right. of the mythology that start but then like, they end up kind of weaving back together so we'll see kind of like how that ends up happening which i just think from an anthropology anthropological standpoint it's interesting uh it really because you're thinking about you know richard burton in india <laughs> richard burton from england yeah india late late 1800s well england was not doing some great stuff yeah, anyways uh so when Burton t- adapted this, one of the, the big things is that he changes Yovitalis to vampire, right? So it becomes King, Vink- King Vikram and the Vampire is the name mm. of the book that he, he the way that he, he trans trans I was I don't want to say translate, so so adapts yeah. he adapts it. And so in that, this is how he ends up describing our Vitala, right? So its eyes, which were wide open, were of a greenish brown and never twinkled. Its hair also was brown, and brown was its face. Three several shades, which notwithstanding approached one another in an unpleasant way, as in an overdry coconut. Its body was thin and ribbed like a skeleton or a bamboo framework, and it held on to a bow like a flying fox by the toe tips. Its drawn muscles stood out as if they were ropes of coir. I think that's the thing that you use your plants with. I don't know. So blood, it appeared to have none, or there would have been a decided determination of that curious juice to the head. And as the Raja handled its skin, it felt cold and clammy as might a snake. The only sign of life was a whisking of a ragged little tail, much resembling a goat's. And so the book also had illustrations by Ernest Griest, who depicted the Vitala as a half-human, half-bat, hanging on a tree with a long tail. Bat! So you see where that is going. Bat! Something else that Burton also did was he only chose to include 11 of the 25 original stories in the English version. So he left out of, like, a lot. 
a chunk. And they're also, you know, one of the critique is that that flattens the depth of, right. the, of the character itself, the of, of the Vital, who are like they're 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 there's you know is it the, they say you know there there's a lot more nuance to to the creature, but really it's just like they're there to trick you and other things. So. I think it's interesting. So the Richard Burton's book first came was published in 1870. And the forward in the 1871 was like, I just, I couldn't read it because I got, I fell asleep. It was so boring. But in the 1883 version, his wife wrote the forward. So, you know, for her opinion, Isabel said, the following translation is rendered peculiarly valuable and interesting by Sir Richard Burton's intimate knowledge of the language. To all who understand the ways of the East, it is as witty and as full as what is probably called chaff as it is possible to be. There is not a dull page in it, and it will especially please those who delight in the weird and supernatural, the grotesque and the wild life. My husband only gives 11 of the best tales, as it was thought the translation would prove more interesting in its abbreviated form. So Sir Richard got bored, and he stopped writing after love or whatever, but I just love that Isabel's like, oh no, he like only wrote 11 because they were the best. It's not because any other reason. He just did the best, best. So the book comes out and it's very popular and a bunch of people read it, including Bram Stoker, who had a hard on both for Richard Burton and the India, busy uh, the idea yeah. of like Eastern mysticism, which is pretty big around this time in general. Also, Richard, uh, Sir Burton, I will say he's the one who brought Karma Sutra to but But not, but not the so same person. Thank you for that one. Different name that founded Virgin Records and Virgin Air and Airlines and Cruises. That is Richard Branson. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. But he, <laughs> But he's yeah. also different than Not, Tim yeah. Burton. So anyway, so Burton often said that he discussed Hindu myths with Stoker and Stoker uh, studied uh, Betel Pakisi thoroughly before writing Dracula. And then so just remember Dracula who turned into a bat yeah. that hung upside down and had powers and drank blood had nothing similar. Yeah. I was just like, oh shit. Like <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so in some of the articles I read gave different descriptions of Vitala to show Burton's influence and highlighted Teresa Bain's description in the Encyclopedia of Demons and World Religions and Culture, where she defined it as a vampiric demon that possesses humans and causes their feet and hands to twist backwards, their skin to turn green, and their fingernails to become long poisonous mm -hmm. white, white talent. But in my 2010 Teresa Baines book, The Encyclopedia of Vampire Mythology, she said that it was a divine vampiric race first mentioned in the Tibetan Book of the Dead and that the Beitao is described as being half man and half bat. It has a short stubby tail and it stands anywhere between four and seven feet tall. In ancient artwork, it is depicted as holding drinking cups to its mouth that are filled with human blood and made of human skulls. These beings are so horrific, like to even look fully upon one would cause someone to lock up in fear, growing weak and dizzy, some people even faint. When not consuming the human flesh that is offered up to it and sacrificed the Beto, and oh no, yes, my dictation thought I said Beto, so I'm leaving that in. The Beto can be found at rest, hanging upside down from trees in the jungle, usually near cemeteries. Despite their horrific appearance and taste 
face or human flesh, the Baytal are not mindless monsters. Capable of possession, they are known to animate corpses so that they can involve themselves in human affairs. But then, in my 2016 Teresa Baines book, Encyclopedia of Beasts and Monsters and Myth, Legend and Folklore, Teresa, Teresa Baines said that the Vitala were the things, the same things as the Pamayama, and that in a region of India, there is a belief in the vampire mm. creature called the Panayama pure race, no. which is not a good name for anything. They are described as looking like an old woman with black skin, poisonous fingernails, and slick eyes, which is the closest we've actually had to the ones yep. in this episode. Usually, you know, usually they are covered in the funeral pyre ashes, as this is where they sleep during the day. At night, uh, the Punyamia, whatever how you say that, attacks lone travelers who watch on quiet roads. These vampires will also climb up to the roofs of houses and feed a magical string into the home's chimney. The thread they use is enchanted to find sleeping women or women who are passed out drunk insert themselves into their skin and then they feed the blood back up to wait to the waiting punyami. so if you get drunk or fall asleep they're gonna like drop a string down your like a big giant like a like a, like a crazy straw so this a, is a crazy a, straw like a, ta- a no it's a tampon string no uh, a string it's absorbing blood think about it it's just a tampon string and i prefer just a crazy straw by a long shot well, because you know it's a it's a thread that's coming down. It soaks up the blood, like it goes into your arm and it soaks the blood up from the arm. And Maybe then you're like stuck on a string. On that's a nice thought, though. Oh, I'm pretty sure you can. Like yeah, a string is full of moisture. Yeah. Okay. Gross. But anyway, so but so the vampires also have the ability to possess a corpse, and when they do, the corpse's feet distort, and they, they basically go backwards. You have feet tilt backwards. So Teresa oh. has three versions. Which Pick isn't one. Teresa? That's Pick the one. real controversy here. Teresa Baines. <clears throat> which Commit. one is it? So okay, so. Anyways, there are a lot of stories. Like I said, this is something that's prevalent in Indian comics. And what I, it does, like I said, it comes back around. So, like, Dracula, like, Indian Dracula is a lot of that has, like, a, it's a combination of Graham Stoker's Dracula and the Vitala right. stories, right? The older ones. So, in the Diamond comic series, uh, Lambu Motu, Dracula is depicted as an anthropomorphic creature with flaming mane-like hair and a tail. And then later, they use that same image when they did their Vikram Batal series. So basically, it was Dracula, and then he was, you know, in say, the Vitala one. I did show Diana that picture. It is very good. There are also a bunch of uh, comics and at least TV, three TV series about Vikram and the Vitala in a bunch of movies. I would say go plug them in there. and Any, any of them you will enjoy. Uh, Diana got some amazing pictures yeah. that I kept sending her today that I'm sure will find their way into our, into our socials. Uh, so I, I highly recommend, especially the YouTube, uh, go watch. I don't know which exactly in the Vikram Batal series it was, but there is one Vitalo who has like white hair and I think it's an it's old definitely dude. Definitely an older Maybe man. Maybe an old lady. Definitely I think it's a dude. Man. 
And he's got like a bunch of like it's like clown makeup like smeared on his face. And so like in the story, you guys remember? I was now you'll understand why the uh, so basically in the you know in the the show yeah. the Vitala is on his back like a monkey and just like hanging on to his neck. It's a King Vic's yeah. neck as he's like walking around. So I just sent this video to Diana with no context, and it's just this weird yeah. thing like wrapped around somebody's neck because it's in some hindi like i don't know which uh but yeah so it was it was lovely and i'm sorry if i butchered butchered the way that word was pronounced but uh has literally also is very interesting a lot of the stories that they were talking about this connection uh would bring up like ver- like the, this version the supernatural version huh. of the vitala as a, a means to be like this is how much like interesting it's shifted hmm so, but that's not, now, those are not the bitches we have. No. Nope. <laughs> this, this, is, this is very different. The closest thing, like, I got was the, the cat slit eyes. And then, so the teeth, um, which, you know, they're supposed to be, yeah. you know, fang light for drinking blood, I guess, because they're not using the tampon. Or crazy straw. Um, or crazy straw, which we're going to do it. But, uh, so, in the, but the special effects people, the makeup people, took inspiration from traditional vampire fangs oh. and muskrat okay. teeth. So that's where, the, where their fangs come from. <laughs> muskrat teeth. <laughs> well, Sam's about to see him because he goes to the truck stop where, uh, and he's asking Marlene about their missing man uh, with the dad. And uh, she's like, oh yeah, he was here the other day. Maybe he went and talked to that girl out in the parking lot, points to the lot lizard. The skirt. Also, did it look like it, this? Yeah, this shifted from uh, that was a, that was a bandage. That was not a skirt. Um, it was definitely the definition of a bandage skirt. Uh, but damn it, now I got distracted by her skirt. <laughs> well, Sam's gonna go out and approach um, our lot lizard, and her name is Sally, as you can tell from her giant gold necklace with her name on it, which made me so happy. I want that. I need to get that one. I have as I wear my necklace with my name on it. Uh, it was a good one. And she uh, shows the pic and she's like, have you, he's like, Hey, have you seen this guy? And Sally kind of lies badly at first says no. And then she's like, Oh, it's not safe here. You have to follow me. We have to get somewhere more private. And she gives a sob story. Right. To I'm so scared. Not so much. It's a lie. Um, after she like, pretends to be scared and they're between the trucks and, Guess what? Marlene's there, and they are way tougher than Sam, and knock him out and knock the knife out of him. Well, it takes I him know, a minute just... to like realize that Sally is it. He's just like he's like run, Sally, run, and then he gets kneed in the nards, bitten, yeah. and then he passes. So they out. got Sam, rut row. But back in uh, Frank's trailer, Dean wakes up. He's been asleep for 36 fucking hours. I cannot fathom that. That sounds awful. In that chair like that, too. His how back and your neck. Oh, my God. His neck. Oh, my. Your neck. Like, like your neck was like this. Like, you could, like, you couldn't turn to, like. Broken. You couldn't look. He couldn't look to the left. He's lost his personal. Like. Yeah. All right. Anyways, but uh, Frank's got footage to show him and makes, has, like, basically Amanda Willard, who works for Richard Roman Enterprises is hanging out in the field and making a bunch of notes and it has some workers there. So they're going to build something and that they need to figure out 
what's what's going on. And Frank tells Dean that he needs to have patience, which Dean, as we know, is not good at. And Frank's like, do you need to go out there and kill something to blow off steam? And Dean's just really not amused by this suggestion. Um, but, uh, and he's like, look, you know, yeah, I haven't been sleeping well because, mm, you know, Bobby's dead and this mystery is a big fucking challenge and I'm not handling it well. And Frank's like, well, maybe you should just give up. And I think that's an interesting suggestion that, that Frank's like, say, maybe just quit. And Dean's like, no, we're not doing that. And then, um, I can't do that. And then Frank's like, look, do, or you can do what I did when I was 26. I came home and we get, sorry, I'm going to quote a little bit because we get some good Frank backstory. He's like, dude, I did when I was 26, I can came home to find my wife and two kids gutted on the floor. I had to decide that I was going to be fine till the end of the week. Make yourself smile because you're alive and that's your job and do it again the next week. Dean said, fake it. And Frank's like, no, I call it being professional. Do it right with a smile or don't do it. So basically it's kind of like, it's kind of, so we got this a little bit before Bobby got killed where Dean's attitude had shifted a bit where it wasn't like, we're doing this for a cause or we're doing this because this is the right thing to do. It was a whatever. It's a chore. We just have to fucking do this shit now. And, and I think that that's a kind of an interesting take that Frank has on how to approach it for Dean. And it's relevant in other ways. The, well, I mean, well, I think it's also yeah. the same point that he Bobby was, was making mm -hmm. before too, though. Like if you, if your brain yeah. isn't in this, you're going to die. So either you get mm -hmm. in the game or you quit. If you're going to do it, do it right. Or don't bother kind of an attitude too, so, a little bit. And I think that like, I don't know, yeah. I found... I felt like it was that. I think it's really good lesson. in general. You don't have to be a fucking hunter or anything. I mean, like, I'm not trying to justify or, or compare or anybody's trauma. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna sell those, if you're gonna sell those Lululemons, then you, like, or those whatever those leggings are, then like, you be the best star. Or don't do it. Or don't do something else. But but don't don't yeah. That was really good. All. I thought it was super good. So, I was really like. But it. can can. Can I just pick to not do it? I mean, it? you have to do something else then. <laughs> I, he didn't say you had to pick something else. He just said to not do it. Well, I thought I thought I really liked it. I thought it was so, really good. And it hearkened to something else I had re read recently. And it, really, it, really it, it was resonated with me. It's called being professional. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I liked it. So then Dean's yeah. like phone 36 hours after Sam left him a voicemail buzzes and tells him he's a voicemail. The fuck? What the fuck? I mean, I know my phone's delayed sometimes, but that's stupid. Well, also like, has it, been, has it been ringing this whole time? Like, how does it still have batteries? So like, why is Either it way, dead? Dean has finally listened to the voicemail from Sam and is very upset because Sam's, he's sure that Sam's assessment is wrong about the Vitalas and he is mad. And then while he's, this is, he's figuring that out, Chrissy calls and tells Dean that she hasn't heard from Sam. Well, shit. Because Sam's tied up. Uh -oh. So we cut to where, where Sam's tied really up. It's not really an industrial site. So it's a, it's like a garage uh, workshop. It's kind of an abandoned, is it a band? I think it could be a band restaurant or something. I don't know. It was abandoned, almost a warehouse. But it was, that's what I was like, it was just an abandoned house. I don't know. 
Um, but we learned that the venom causes <sighs> ringing in the yeah. ear hard pass. And Chrissy's dad's no, name you. is Lee Chambers. And he's there, too. And he's alive. That's good. And um, Sam's like, yeah, I'm a friend of Bobby's. We were looking for you. Chrissy was worried about you. So how do we get out of here? And Lee's like, mm, we don't. There's two of them. They tag team us. It's got a good system. And it only takes three being drained three to four times to die. And they've already hit me three times. Oops. But he was really impressed with them. And so we know that, like, he's probably yeah. almost like. He's, he's, he's on the verge of death. In the meantime, Dean makes it to meet up with Chrissy and does the same thing Sam does, touches the bedroom, tells Chrissy to wait in the other room. But she's like, mm, no. Uh, and Dean finds a scrap of murder wall in the closet. And uh, Chrissy's like, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna pull a gun on you. I know where this shit. I I know all this shit. I followed my. I know. I try to follow Dad's instructions to be normal. Let the adults work it out. But whatevs. I took it. Well, she said she didn't say anything to Sam because he looked like he was competent, right? So, and and that she's burned it. She's burned the murder map. It's all on her head. So you're gonna take me with you. So now we know that. Well, Chrissy actually. And the only thing that was really sad is that she makes like the comment like, if she's afraid that if she gives Dean the info without going with him, that just like her dad and Sam, that he'll leave and not come back. I'm like, oh. Yes, that's a valid fear. Yes. Yeah, that's valid. So yeah. they, they hit and the Chrissy really wants to chit chat. Dean is not feeling it. So she. Because he's the middle of serious revenge. He's so into it. Um, and, and she's kind of trying, puts her headphones in, but she still kind of wants to talk. And he's like, she's like, yeah, my dad was such a good hunter. And I thought Sam's so big. It's kind of crazy. It's something got both of them. And Dean's like, uh, yeah. Because Vitalis uh, hunt in pairs, and uh, they thought it was solo. That's the problem here. So they got doubled up. They had the wrong uh -oh. info. And she kind of calls them out. She's like, what? What are you just like the keeper of the information, and you didn't fucking share this shit with them? And he's like, no, it was when Sam was in college. Ooh. Mind blown. And she's just <laughs> like, hunters can go yeah. to school? Mind what? blown by this information. Uh, so back in the garage, I don't know, uh, Sally strolls on in and is just very tickled with herself. The fact that they've got two hunters now with both Lee and Sam and they're about to like feed on Lee again, but that is a bad, that'd be bad because he would die. So Sam like taunts them until he and she's like, look at my hoops, man. These are my serious fucking hoop like earrings. And I'm here for this I'm bitch. a fan. I would have worn probably most of that in my 20s. Some of it I would wear now. I can't wear some of that now. Can. Should. Some should, of it just should, you shouldn't, shouldn't wear, wear now. now. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Whatever. You can wear That's whatever you want. Shouldn't. But, you know, whatever. Can. Sure. Shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So And then she, so she bites Sam and he likes it. Look this well, Dean and Chrissy go to the Chris uh. to go to the truck stop, and um, and they see Sally there too, and they're like, mm, I don't know. Uh, and they ask if um, 
uh, uh, before that, uh, back in the car, I'll just want to have my clever note here. Uh, Dean's like asking her basically, like, are you a hunting virgin? You know, and like, and she's just like, no, I do it all the time. And I'm just like with her oh. boyfriend who lives in Canada. Right. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, I totally help. And he's like, yeah, no, you're terrified. She's like, no, 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 I've been training. He's like, no, 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 it's nothing. But um, they see, as they're like staking out this truck stop, they see Marlene go, after they see the a lot lizard, well, Sally and one of the truckers walk to the back of a truck, they see Marlene get in the front and the truck pulls away. And they're like, wait a minute. So they're going to follow well, Chrissy asks one of the waitresses getting in the truck, and Dean's like, I'm not going to explain R-rated crap to you. But also, I think that it's, and Chrissy's just like, she's getting in the front, not the back. And technically, she would be getting in the front. Cause that's that's that was a weird choice. Her. Yeah, like, what are they going to do, like, bang in the cargo the hold or whatever the fuck? Like... I don't understand that. But anyways, well, I guess there's like two doors. But I also just think Marlene's a that boss pretty, bitch for being yeah. able to drive that truck. So, um... She, so Dean's all excited and they're gonna because they're gonna follow and they figure out where they're all hit out at and he wants to fist bump and she like mocks him for fist bumps being like so not cool now and I'm just I don't like to reference that time that time of recent years so now but like, you see why I said no yeah, I but, say but Chrissy. fist bumps are, came back because we had a pandemic and nobody wanted to shake hands so it's just funny timing to be like. Oh, she was talking shit on those a decade ago. No, that people were talking elbow bumps during the pandemic. I don't know. Fist fist bumps never went out of style. Anyway, so, but Dean's fist bump was not to be cool. It was to create a ruse. It's a ruse. To handcuff her to the steering wheel while he goes in. And which is like, he's like, I'm not bringing a kid into this hunt, which is maybe, maybe. something his dad should have thought about. Yeah. Maybe something Chrissy's dad should think more about. Like, yes, this is actually an yeah. appropriate choice Weird. that you're making, Jane Winchester. Do not bring mm-hmm. the young teenage girl yeah. into a fight with crazy Correct. vampire uh, But, oh well. So, Dean goes in and bashes Sally in the face with a metal beam and then uh, has a knife, but Marlene's very, very tough. And while Sam's kind of waking up, Marlene kind of beats the bitch. fuck out of out of out of Dean. Um, but right as uh, Dean's finally gonna get get like some headway in in this fight with Marlene, Chrissy runs in and gets nabbed by Sally. Well, shit! And now we got a hostage. And the blonde bites into Lee. And so doesn't Lee die? Like should but like shouldn't he die? But she just did but it was but That's she what they but said. she like, like, when like we're biting, on him, him. She just did like a quick bite on him, I think. Or maybe he's just really tough. There's not a like a perfect I don't think it was like a one, two, three, go death. It was like a three to it four times. It's a three fourth or four time and you may or may not, and he was weak and blah blah blah. So Chrissy's like, uh, Dean, you gotta help. But he kind of freezes because it is a tough sitch. Yep. And so Sally is just like, he can't help you. No one can. So Chrissy pulls a knife out and she spins her and stabs her. So Chrissy kills Sally. Crazy. Like, and she's like, I guess I'll have to help myself then. (sighs) 
She says that. And then in the midst of that, she Marlene does. runs at Dean. And, well, this is all... Anyway, Sam's able to get freed by Chrissy, and he's able to stab Marlene. So they're both dead. Ta-da! So now Lee's hey. in the hospital because he got bit in the bunch. And thankfully they got that, you know, Vital like anti-venom. Just hanging around at the hospital. In <sighs> yeah. wherever, I forgot where, where, where did we say City. this one was. Dodge City. Yeah, they're like, what is he using rousing venom? It's just the same. <laughs> Well, either way, Dean has some hot advice for Lee, which is fucking quit hunting. You've got a 14-year-old kid, and she could be regular, a regular kid. So get out now, or you're all going to die. It's not bad. He's just like, hey, man, like, she's a, she's a child. Yeah. You, like, care of leaving her at home alone a lot. Yeah. Like, this we we live this. It didn't go so great. So... Still thought. Pretty sure this is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> violating a lot of a lot of felony. You think you're creating yeah. some felonies here? <laughs> At least violating some local yeah. ordinances. Well, there's a lot to a lot to <laughs> probably notate there. But Lee's kind of like not yeah. like super receptive, but seems at least ponder it. Chrissy and Dean have a cute moment. They she calls him an ass hat and they fist bump. Okay. Yep, and so I guess that her dad and her, they've talked, and yeah. so they're retiring, it and is. it's very, very sweet. So Sam and Dean drive away, and then we have the standard exchange of Sam or Dean asking Sam if Sam's all right, and Sam's like, I'm definitely not, but obviously. No, I'm not. Um, I'm fine. But really, I just want to do fine. jobs. I just want to work. And Dean's like, okay. Well, they try to do exchange. Well, of course, Dean's like, I'm fine. But maybe we should just do some work and just, in the meantime, try to figure out how to kick Dick Roman's ass as professional. He does. And then he smiles. He does. As Dear Mr. Fantasy by Traffic comes on. It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. You know, he just took the advice from Frank. It's like me trying to smile. like it. I'm just making weird faces. My face hurts from smiling recently. It's a lot. See, that's the difference between you and me at events. Like, I've got like three days worth of events this week. I'll get a fucking smile. Yeah, I do. It's me. That's what I do. Yeah, so, so who was in this? All bitch? right, so our cast for this episode Casting Cow. It's the casting couch. Were they on that show that time with that guy? La 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 la. By Madison McLaughlin. She's been in episodes of The Mentalist, NCIS, Teen Wolf, Modern Family, and Mad Men, and was a reoccurring character named Evelyn Sharp slash Artemis in Arrow. Her dad, Lee Chambers, was played by Ian Tracy, who has quite the resume. I'm going to list a lot. Ready? Uh, Episodes of X-Files in Smallville, 
funny enough, his career goes back to the 1979-1980 time frame. He was Huckleberry Finn in the Huckleberry Finn and Friends miniseries. If you remember that one. Um, he, no. I'm going to watch it like anyways uh he was in multiple episodes of 21 jump street um uh he was an ongoing character in the commish uh he was the rolling stone editor in the movie prozac nation uh he was a reoccurring character in da vinci's inquest uh he was one of the police officers in the movie sucker punch uh he was bolin in the show it was a reoccurring character in hell on wheels he was a character named ludlow in the man of steel movie uh he was franklin dobbs in wayward pines series miniseries uh he was uh remo wallace in bates motel as a regular character jimmy in virgin river and uh sheriff baxter in school spirits all those are reoccurring characters so quite quite a on and that's just some highlights of things that i was super familiar with or current stuff sally was played by um oh gosh I misspelled her last name and I'm going to forget what it is. Jesus. Megan or Ori. I'll have to look it up. I'm sorry. Uh, she was in episode. She's been in episodes of Smallville, Painkiller Jane. Uh, she was Jill in the movie. John Tucker must die. Uh, she was a, a regular character named Juliet in the show. True justice, which was a Steven Seagal um, TV series. Uh, and then she played Ruby, AKA red riding hood. In Once Upon a Time as a very regular character on there. Uh, Marlene does not have quite the the uh, resume, I would say, as the um, as the others do. Was played by Paula Lindbergh. Did a lot of anime voices, actually, though. Which I thought that was interesting. And uh, has been in episodes of shows like Fringe and Arrow. Oh. That's fine. So, what'd you think? I agree. No, I actually really liked how they're addressing the morning. I won't lie. I think that's actually pretty a, a pretty solid approach. Uh, Frank, I still love Frank's character, so that's cool to have that ongoing. And then, um, look, was I was this this storyline totally like driving in any way? No, but it was a good monster of the week throw in while you've got some heavy shit going on. So I'll take it. Does that make sense? It's interesting seeing them interact with other hunters. I think that's always, I think that's kind of an interesting. I always like the idea of like the hunter, like network. Like I I love the idea of the hunter network. Um, Because that's also like, I don't, you know, underground cool fighters. Like that just seems cool. Like, yeah, like you're, you're the cool kids, but then you're also like, wow, that's a shitty way to raise a kid. No, no. So, anyways, it was you know we got it. You know it, it was fine. It was fine. I'm not bummed. I'm not like mad <laughs> at it. So we'll you know. Yeah. And sometimes that's okay. You know we're 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 upset. We're sad. We're missing Bobby. So we'll take a. It, a, a, it couldn't, a it couldn't go too to fluffy because that would have been weird, right? So I kind of appreciate that it was like this. Yeah. Okay, this is good. That you know it's okay. It's it's an okay episode. Fine, we're addressing the morning. We've got the we got the mission. We've got this underlying. So you still the ongoing storyline with Leviathan, carried through by Frank. You've got a fucking monster. It, I actually think it was pretty smart, even though it wasn't the most compelling episode. Yeah, yeah that's all I got though. <laughs> that 
All right, so on that note, cheers, Jerk. All right, cheers, bitch. Devil's Trap Podcast is a Don't Get It production. Meow. Devil's Trap Podcast is part of the Ship It Studios Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Devil's Trap Podcast, Twitter at Devil's Trap Pod, or you can email us at Devil's Trap at Devil's Trap Podcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and share with all your friends. We're at all your favorite podcast outlets and at Devil's Trap Podcast.com. I'm Babe. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.